Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here and Uriah. Guys, we just saw the Sixers blow off the Cleveland Cavaliers without Joel Embiid. How are we feeling about that, guys? Feeling good. In the words of the great LeBron James, it's about damn time. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be able to beat the Cavaliers, even though they're like a sub-500 team, not in the playoff hunt. But, you know, positives taken away from Joel Embiid not being there. Uh, before we get into it, though, um, I'm I, even though my team has no room to talk because I'm literally a losing team, in the uh, fantasy basketball world of the Sixers sense. I think, Uriah, you got a beef to pick with uh, Chris here, huh, about a recent trade? Look, I smell something. It rhymes with illusion, and it starts with a K. There's something going on with other owners in the league where LeBron James, who's out for the season, basically, Chris had, and somehow he traded him and got back Rudy Gobert and John Morant. That just doesn't add up to me. Something doesn't doesn't really fit within my realm of logic. So I'm just confused. And since you are the league commissioner, I was hoping you could pull an Adam Silver and reverse that trade. Uh, sadly, ESPN does not allow me to reverse trades in the trade. <sighs> one busy day God. at work. Where I was not looking at my phone at all. So, Chris, I feel like maybe he planned that on purpose. I'm not sure. No, they were totally fair trades. I'll, I'll, I'll list them out for everyone. I traded away that day. I traded away LeBron, Moses Brown, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Kimba Walker, and Buddy Heald. And I got back Gobert, Morant, Tatum, DeRozan, and Paul George. I'm sorry that I'm just... A better GM than everyone else. I don't know what you have, Chris. I don't know what you have on these other owners, some dirt or something, you know, some type of leverage. But I I, I don't know. It's all right because I have something planned. I can I can make some trades. Oh. Oh, I might even I might even just trade for the all Sixers team. I'm gonna get Ben Simmons. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get every Sixer on my team and we're gonna take you down and we're gonna bring home a championship. If, Look, if our team doesn't, I will bring home the fantasy championship with all the Sixers on the roster. I will say there are four teams pretty much locked into the playoff picture for us in our league. And I've lost to two of them. The third one I haven't lost to yet. <laughs> Raya. I mean, I think you know whose team that is. So I'm, I'm just saying. Chris likes to he likes to just toss out random trades and anyone who does not have a chance at the playoffs like hey what do I have to lose hey but yeah. it's all right no 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 I'm not going to complain because when I win it's just going to make it much more sweeter so we can move on gentlemen yeah we're going to move on and talk about the Cavs game we are recording directly after it Thursday night uh, Lucas that was a pretty resounding win for Philadelphia 114 to 94 was the final score. Some pretty notable performances from guys off the bench. Jake Milton had 27 points on 10 of 14 shooting, 18 and 15 from Dwight Howard. Um, Seth Curry also had one of his better games of late, 19 points, 5 of 10 from deep. What were some of your big takeaways? Well, let me let me start with an underrated one here. Matisse Thibel, two steals, three blocks, blocked a jump shot in the game. 
The guy, uh, guys, hot take here. Matisse Thybulle deserves to be on an All NBA defensive team this year. Your thoughts, Uriah? You can jump in on this. My thoughts are, it sounds good to me. I think Thybulle is if he if he averaged over thirty minutes per game, he would probably shatter steal records that were set by Alvin Robertson back in the eighties and. Gary Payton. I mean, this guy is the glove 2.0. I, I would go as far as to say, here's another hot take, Lucas. I'd say mm-hmm. he has more defensive potential than Gary Payton. And I saw Ooh. Gary, I Ooh. saw, I saw Ooh. Gary Payton play. So, I mean, you look at the length, you look at the speed. Payton was about 6'4. Thibault was, I think, 6'7. So that lends itself to more blocks and deflections. But I don't know. What do you think, Chris? I, I mean, I think he definitely has a case. All the numbers bear out his impact. I, I mean, I think if anything's going to hurt him, it's the fact that he's like the third best defender on his own team. You know, and Beaton Simmons kind of eat up so much attention that people might just kind of forget about Thibel. But he he definitely has a case. Well, uh, let me let me ask you guys this: in terms of pure perimeter defense, I'm not talking about overall defense, but pure perimeter defense. Who who would you like more, Ben or Thibault? I mean, because it's honestly a toss-up for me. It depends on what you're looking for. Ben's obviously the better overall defender because he's much more versatile. But if we're talking about, like, lockdown perimeter defense, it's pretty well, close there. I mean, it would depend on how you define perimeter defense because versatility certainly plays into that, depending on how you look mm-hmm. at it. Ben can guard more guys on the perimeter, than Thibel can. I, I mean, I think Ben is a better on-ball defender, one-on-one. So it really just depends on how you look at it, I guess. I think it's a matchup issue. If it came down to Giannis and you had to put Simmons or Thibel on, on Giannis, I would pick Simmons. He's stronger, and I think he's played him enough to kind of figure out where Giannis wants to get to on the floor. Well, I just but think his matchups. Fair, Giannis isn't a perimeter player. He's a big. And honestly, out of the three best defenders on our team, I would put Joel on Giannis over anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, yeah. How are you defining perimeter defense? Because Giannis isn't like posting up every possession either. He's handling the ball. He's getting out in transition. I'm, I'm talking about guarding. I'm guarding, guarding positions one through three. Which is where Ben spends most of his time. I would well then I would I would perimeter defender. Then I would disagree. Then I would I would like Thibault. I would trust Thibault on someone like Kyrie more than Simmons. That's just my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I guess it's, it's it's all matchup dependent. Because yeah. I would definitely say Thibault is better at guarding point guards than Ben is. Yeah, I mean, but if like twos go and like threes, I would probably say Ben both times. Matchups, then there's definitely probably. Like, I would probably put Thibault on De'Aaron Fox, for example. But exactly. Yeah. I'd put Ben Simmons on James Harden 12 times out of 12. So exactly. it just depends on yeah. who you're asking them to guard. I guess. Yeah, yeah so I, I agree with that. Outside of Thibault, sorry, I'm, I'm going to move us along here. Outside of Thibault, another positive takeaway, Shake Milton finally had a really good game from the three-point line. I expect that to continue, especially once George Hill is on the, get, you know, the team. I think moving Milton more off-ball will unlock his three-point shooting more. And uh, the bad here, though, is Ben Simmons' shot has been gone for, like, the last, like, two or three games. Like, what's going on there? Like, Chris, you got any thoughts on that? Not really. 
I mean, I know I'm kind of the resident Ben Simmons supporter on this podcast, uh, but, you know, it's it's a cold spell. It happens. I, I'm sure he'll get out of it at some point. You know, 2 of 11 is very uncharacteristic for him. He's normally one of the most efficient finishers in basketball, certainly at his position, given his size. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I, I guess... I get you know what he always goes through these weird cold spells from shooting from the floor at some point in the season. So I guess we'll just have to manage through it. But I'm just happy the Sixers won in spite of that because it was not a good bank game from Ben. Dating Green came back down to earth. You have Mike Scott starting at center. I don't need to say anything more about that. And Thibel, I mean, Her- Tobias Harris only played 15 minutes. That was my big question. Why? Why was Harris not getting more minutes. Foul, oh, foul, foul trouble? trouble? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he had three fouls before the end of the first half. But, yeah, no, I mean, great Dwight game and a great Milne game. Seth Curry looked like the guy that we saw at the beginning of the season, which is awesome. And, yeah, so that's, you know, the, those are my takeaways. Do you have anything else to add to that, Chris? Not really. I think you you touched on all the big ones. Um, just to reemphasize, I think Curry had a big game. He he took 10 threes. Um, more volume from him is always going to be a positive. I think that's been a big improvement from him lately is letting more threes fly and letting them fly from deeper and with more confidence. So hopefully that's a trend that continues. But I, I think you touched on a lot of the big points. So we can go ahead and talk about the Denver game as well. Uh, hold up, Chris. Chris, hold up, hold up. There's one thing because you are an avid supporter of B-Ball Paul. <laughs> at the end of that game, Chris, he did an up and under, man, and he, he, that thing hit the glass so hard it went almost back to the foul line, man. What happened there? Well, look, I mean, if you're not going to let the guy play outside of garbage time, it's going to be hard to work up a rhythm, so I, you can't blame him. Uh, things like this wouldn't happen if he was getting 20 minutes a night, but we're still stuck with Mike Scott, so, you know, you got to power through it. I did want to add something about Shake Milton. To me, I think outside of Embiid, there's no other player on the Sixers that I enjoy see going off more than Shake Milton. I mean, mm-hmm. Tobias will have great games. He'll get hot and, and he'll hit clutch shots. But when you need that player off the bench, that six man, you need that injection of energy and production. Mm-hmm. Shake is going to do it. When he's, when he's in the zone, he's in the zone. And tonight, mm-hmm. it was so good to see him come out of his shell, show us what we have been counting on all season. And if he continues that from here out, it's it's going to be bad news for other NBA teams. And just to see him have such control and confidence, whether he's in the paint, switching hands, left-hand layup, or spotting up for a three, this was a really good shake game. And, and B-Ball Paul, you know, if he gets more time, it, he might come around. So I, I – you know, this is for support of Chris, and I, I do like B-Ball Paul. Might! <laughs> yeah, I, I, might. Well, I, I do want to – sorry, I know that we touched on a lot of major points, but I do want to also point out here that Tyrese Maxey has been getting a lot more burn lately again, which is good. You know, we'll talk about it in the second game particularly, but um, I think part of the reason why – Doc is doing this is because he's trying to prepare Shake to be more off-ball once George Hill's in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I, I think part of it also is just injuries. And I mean, once George Hill gets here, that 
pretty much will spell the end for for Tyrese. I think mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. Also, this was like a, a, a blowout for large portions of the game, which factors into it. And the Cavs aren't very good, so it's probably a good game to get Tyrese some burn. But uh, yeah, it is good to see Maxi being productive when he's on the floor. That's always a positive. Mm-hmm. And we can go ahead and talk about that Nuggets game now from Tuesday, 104 to 95 in favor of Denver was the final score for much of the game. Philadelphia was down by a much larger margin. Um, You mentioned not the best Ben Simmons game, only took seven shots for 11 points, three assists. Um, Really no standout high-level great performances if you go up and down the box score. So, Lucas, what were some of your takeaways from a, a pretty brutal loss? Tyrese Maxey was the Sixers' leading scorer with 13 points. I think that says enough about this game right there. Curry was off. There, It wasn't a typical Tobias game. You know, this is also one of the first few games that Aaron Gordon played with the Nuggets. I think they definitely got a... a Injection of energy by that trade. And, I mean, honestly, guys, I mean, the Nuggets are, I honestly, they are up there with the Lakers and the Clippers for me now as favorites in the West. Like, you know, the Aaron Gordon trade plus getting JaVale McGee, you know, even though McGee didn't even play, you know, you got got a vet like Paul Millsap coming off the bench, Jokic still doing Jokic stuff even though he actually had a low game passing the ball, which is kind of surprising. Like it wasn't, it was not a pretty game. And I mean, that's, that's all it was. It wasn't a pretty game. And the main reason I would say, I mean, I can't even say it was turnovers because they only had 11, but it just wasn't, the offense was not clicking. And I think doc rivers said that this was the, the best thing about this game is that the, that the clock ran out. So yeah. Uh, there's not a there's not any real positives to take away from this game. I mean, good for Maxi getting 13 points in 16 minutes, but like Doc Rivers said, the best thing about this game was that it, it, the time ran out. Yeah, I, great points all around. You know, Denver's a really good team. They're up to 29 and 18. They're kind of gaining on home court advantage in the West. You have a borderline top five guy in Jokic. Murray had 30 points in this game. Like, they're just a really good team. They're hard to beat when you're fully healthy. When you're asking Dwight Howard and Mike Scott to guard Jokic, it's even harder. So this really just... Also, playing on the road in Denver is historically a pretty tough thing to do. They they have the altitude and the home court advantage there. So, yeah, this is just the kind of game you're going to get every now and then when you're missing your best player and when you're on a road trip out west. Um, I don't think there's too much to say about it. I don't think it's really indicative of any larger problems with Philly. It was just a, a down night. Denver was hot early, ported on big time in the first quarter, and they never really gave up that lead. So if anything, if some, some extra rest these past couple games for the starters, which is probably a good thing. But yeah, just a pretty rough game all around. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, there's not much to it. And, and we talked about Ben Simmons' struggles in this game, and we're just we're going to go to what Ben said after that game in particular. According to Rich Hoffman of The Athletic, Ben was quoted on saying this. Uh, for a warning for our listeners, there, there is profanity in this, um, in this clip, so, uh, you know, be warned. Um, ben Simmons, uh, 
quote beginning here. There's a lot going on, but you know, it is what it is. I got to get my shit together. We got to get back on track as a team, end quote. So let me jump on this first, if you guys don't mind. Mm -hmm. So I put a theory out there about a month ago, and I know Chris didn't want to hear it, but when his numbers were down and his all-star voting was his numbers were not what they've been in the past. All of a sudden, he found this this immense amount of energy and desire to score more and get more assists and maybe even grab more rebounds. So he pushed himself into an all-star vote, all right? He had a really great week um, leading up to all-star game. Now that the all-star game's over, where's all that production going? Where's the consistency that we need when our star center is out? He's not stepping up. He's the second highest played player on the team. Where is Ben Simmons right now? And I'm I'm more than disappointed. I'm irritated. And it's not even about jump shots, Chris. It's about stepping up, and he's not doing it. And he can talk all this stuff about altitude. I read a quote. I can't confirm it, but I read somewhere that he's complaining about the altitude in Denver. Come on, man. Come on. You're 6'10", 250 pounds pure muscle, extra talented, step up, man. That's that's my theory. I think he's all about the numbers. He's all about all-star appearances. And right now the team needs him. He's not doing what he needs to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say he's like actually been playing well or anything like that. Obviously, he's having a pretty down couple of games. Um, I mean, he. I think the one argument to the whole all-star thing is that he didn't immediately drop off. He still had a pretty good stretch after the All-Star break. Um, it's it's really been more recently that he's kind of having this downturn. But I will, like, to the whole he only cares about numbers and All-Stars things, I, I, I don't quite get that because he's probably one of the most energetic and committed defenders on the planet. And that's typically not how people play when they're only, like, coasting on talent and only care about All-Star performances. I, I do think he has some problems still that he needs to iron out offensively. I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but I don't think it's a lack of desire. I think it's just more like some mental hurdles and some skill set changes that need to be made. But I, I, I do think like the effort and the ability are, are still pretty considerable. So I'm actually going to go back. To the, I think he's not playing as well because... It's been a while since him and Embiid have played together. Ben was playing some of his best basketball. I mean, minus that one game against Utah where he went off for a career high, he was playing really good with Joel, and maybe he was feeding off of Joel's you know, energy and the, the fact that this is probably the best year that we've seen them play together in terms of chemistry on the court and playing uh, off of each other. So I, I think part of it is the fact that Embiid's missing time and he doesn't have that energy to feed off of, as well as the you know the one two, you know the dynamic uh, you know chemistry on the court that they had. Lucas, so, that's yeah. a great theory. I didn't I didn't think of that, and I'm I'm glad you went there. And it does make sense logically, knowing the dynamic of the Sixers, their system, the coaching, everything, the chemistry that he and Ben um, Embiid have developed over the years. Here's my retort. What's going on in Brooklyn? Kevin Durant has been out for weeks, but Harden, he's an all-star. He's stepping well, up. Harden's, he's okay. pulling his weight. 
Why can't why can't Chris Chris let him finish no, first and then I'm I got you Chris I got Chris. you I I know where he's going I got you Chris let him you're finish preaching first, to though. the choir I know he's he's a far superior talented offensive player than Ben Simmons is clearly I cannot deny that but when it comes down to a team needing a player to step up when your star is down Harden is doing it Ben is not. And when Tobias is not on or he's in foul trouble, like Lucas mentioned earlier, someone has to step up. I mean, do we have to count on our six man to to step up when we're paying a guy $30 million or $28 million a year? No, it should be Ben Simmons. I'm just going to call it like it is. It should be Tobias, then Ben, and then whoever else falls in line. Okay, so you're right. I got you on this, and I understand where you're coming from, but there's what two things that you got to consider. Wait, wait, yeah, wait. I, you just said you had my back. And... Yeah, I got your back. Let me, let me show you how I got your back. I have to I have to give him his pops before I get into him, okay? He's playing both sides you, of the Chris. fence. I, I'm coming to your defense, but let me get let me get to you. First off, here's the thing. Like you said, Chris, James Harden is a much better offensive player. Let's be clear on that. Secondly, James Harden had less to work with in Houston for years. So he's used to carrying this load. This is not a load that Ben Simmons is used to. And yeah, you're paying Ben Simmons like your second best player. But let's be real, guys. Ben Simmons is a third best player on a champion contending team. Like a, a favorite to win a title. He's a third, the third best player. And that, that, that might not be the case here because, you know, you can make an argument who's who's more important. I You know, Tobias Harris is the third best player on this team, probably. And then that, but that's the thing. That. You, I don't know you, about you, that. Right, right. That's the thing. Go ahead, Chris. I want to hear you. I want to hear what Chris has right. to say. All right. So, with regards to the Brooklyn thing, yeah, A, like Harden and Irving are just better offensive players than Ben, straight up. I don't, especially in regards to scoring the basketball, which I think is where we're, our, our main hang up with Ben is right now. Secondly, they haven't really had to work out the Durant dynamic yet because he hasn't played much at all since Harden's got there. So, it's pretty much just been the James and Kyrie show. So, they're not like trying to figure out how to. Not play like, like, like I think Embiid. I'll say it like this: I think Embiid is much more important to how Philadelphia's offense runs than Durant is to Brooklyn's. I'm not saying he's better than Durant, but taking Embiid out of Philadelphia leaves a much larger hole in regards to how everything in this offense works than taking KD out of Brooklyn does, because Harden's going to be the main facilitator that puts all the pieces together. Either way, you still have two 30-point-a-game scores, basically, even without Durant. So I think losing Embiid, who we all think was the MVP before he went down, is putting a much bigger dent in Philadelphia's offense than than the Durant thing is in Brooklyn. So, I mean, that combined with the fact that Ben and Harden and Irving just aren't really comparable talents, I, I think is is where my argument lies. So I think the frustration of social media, I think it's as potent as ever, especially with Embiid being out, because... If this is your opportunity to step up and, and pinch hit, you know, you're Matt Stairs, you know, in game game six or whenever it was in the 08 National League Championship Series, and he steps up to the plate and he has that home run and, and that propels the Phillies into the World Series, that was his time to shine. They needed him. He had one shot. Ben Simmons has 10 games. And what is he doing? He's dropping the ball. Literally, he's, dry, he's averaging higher turnovers since the All-Star break than than anybody else in the league, I, I would probably go on record as saying. But I just think we're making excuses for him. And I'm going to stick with what Charles Barkley said many times. 
if he doesn't start shooting now, if he doesn't even attempt when the playoffs come, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's it's going to be five on four. I I know I'm a broken record. The the horse is dead, <laughs> but it's I just think we're making excuses for Ben at this point. Uriah, at this point, the horse is nothing but bones. <laughs> to, be fair. <laughs> to to be real, but no, this I mean, like I said, guys, like like I said, Ben Simmons is a th- who he is right now. He's a third best player on a championship level team. Chris, you made this point a few weeks back prior to like the all-star selection. Tobias Harris, especially after the all-star break, Tobias Harris has been playing like the second best player on this team, and Ben Simmons is playing like the third best player. So I don't have any high offensive expectations for Ben because that's not who he is anymore. That I don't have that anymore. And like you're right, to your point, yes, I would love for Ben to shoot because that would mean he would actually fulfill the physical potential that his body, like the skills and everything else that he has, if he just has a shot, yes, he could be argue he could become the first best player on this team if he had a jump shot. But that's not who he is right now. And I mean, I'm kind of leaning more towards Chris, is that I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but it's not going to be this season because Doc Rivers is not going to force it during, especially halfway through the season. It's just not happening. Well, he doesn't have to worry about Doc Rivers because uh, if Daryl Morey doesn't see something, he might be the one to pull the trigger. I'd, I'd, well, you know I'd, what? If they do, I would get I would, I would get Bradley Beal in here in a heartbeat. Yeah, over Simmons. Well, I would personally. love Bradley Beal too, but I'm pretty sure that the Wizards, like Chris has said, do not want the nightmare of Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook together. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Though Bradley Beal would be a fair comp, or or if Damian Lillard ever actually wanted to leave Portland, could no, you that's imagine his... that Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid? I would love that, Lucas. I just think that his, I, I think he's on. It's such a part of his brand now. This loyalty aspect. He mm-hmm. mentions it all the time, and you have to respect him for it. He's he stayed oh, with yeah. Portland for for a long time. I don't think he would go anywhere. Mm-mm. But but to go back to our points here, I don't know what's going on with Ben. It's all mental. Like I, I think it's all mental, like Chris said. I don't think it's anything physical, or else we would have heard something by now about that. I guess, Chris, and Uriah, if you want to jump in on that. Well, Uriah, you've already stated your case that you think there is pressure on him. But, Chris, do you think there's a lot of pressure on him to produce on both sides of the ball moving forward for the rest of the season or not so much? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always pressure on the best players on the best teams to, you know, live up to their reputation and to keep winning games. Um, the Sixers will thankfully get and beat back this weekend, it seems. But Brooklyn is right there with them now for the number one seed. If they're going to hold on to that home court advantage that many people would argue is paramount, and you know, when the time comes to maybe play Brooklyn in the playoffs... Ben's going to have to hold up his end of the bargain. He's going to have to play better than he has been playing. I do think it will get better. I, I, I don't think this is more much more than a cold spell. Like, granted, he's prone to these kind of lulls more than other stars of his caliber are. I, I will admit that. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but I, I do think he'll turn it around. He's still providing plenty of value on the defensive side of the ball. And like you said, Lucas, I think having him be back will help him quite a bit. 
um, contrary to what like the narrative that has been around forever that they can't play together, I think they they both help each other quite a bit, even if the fit isn't perfect. So I, I do expect things to get better, um, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. So we're gonna talk about JJ Redick now, who got traded right at the trade deadline from New Orleans to Dallas. Um, he later went on his podcast and kind of gave some heat to the the New Orleans front office, said some pretty um, inflammatory words. Quote, my understanding all along was that I was going to get a buyout, and if I was going to be traded, it was going to be a team in the Northeast where I was closer to home. I don't think you're going to get honesty from that front office, just objectively speaking. Um, I, I listened to that part of his podcast, and basically the larger story arc there is that David Griffin basically told him, you know, stay with us a month this season. If you're not happy after a month, we'll get you traded to a situation you're happy with. Um, Obviously, they did not trade him after a month, and they did not get the buyout that Reddick was expecting at the uh, deadline. He got traded even further away from the Northeast, going to Dallas now. So David Griffin in that front office Evidently failed to follow through on their their promise to Reddick. I, Lucas, what were uh, do you think he deserved better treatment, and do you think this reflects poorly on the Pelicans' front office and might affect them in future free agent hunts? Well, let me do the first part of that question. Did JJ deserve this treatment? Obviously, every NBA front office should be as honest as they can with their players. That being said every NBA front office has the right to do what's in the best interest of their team first and foremost, before they have obligation to their players. There are only a few players uh, with exception to this, like the all time greats, like Dirk Nowinski or Kobe Bryant, or, yeah, you know, I can't think of one six, like Dr. J would, I would think be the last one that, that I can think of that the Sixers front office did, you know, was fairly tre- you know, treated fairly at the end of their career. J.J. Redick, I love him to death. He's not one of those guys. At the end of the day, he's he was a two-year rental. He's at the end of his career. Um, if he did not want to leave, if he did not want to, you know, if he really wanted to be at close at home, he would have stayed either with the Sixers or gone to another team in the Atlantic Division or even Washington. And, and that just did not happen for whatever reason. He was chasing the money. I get it. Get your money. But don't be mad if you're far away from, you know, from your home and like you want to go back and you're in the team that you're at doesn't want to acquiesce to that because you did not help them get into the playoffs last year. You broke your streak was broke, broken and they have no obligation to you beyond, uh, you know, financial. Like I, I like I mean, no, I'm being serious. Like I'm not trying to be a player hater because I'm not. Like, you know, get your person. Teams should be trying to treat their players fairly, but the team's priority is to make sure that they are taken care of first because the NBA at the end, end of the day is a business. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I think the argument to that is if you're going to keep them, just don't tell them that you're not going to keep them and then keep them. You know, don't say. Well, oh, yeah. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I think the front off. I think that. David Griffin was wrong in that respect. Yeah, like and they should have been front and front and honest with him about it to trade him. But they are under a, maybe some sort of moral obligation to, you know, be true to their word if they do make a promise mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so I think that's where the failing is. Not that they necessarily didn't trade him until the trade deadline 
They didn't buy him out. Um, Reddick also said um, in talking about Dallas that in any other season he would have been happy to go to Dallas and that it's more of a COVID thing because he's not allowed basically to have his kids, you know, check out of school and drive down to Dallas for a day or two because then they have to quarantine for a week and they miss a week of school. So uh, COVID was is a factor in was a factor in his desire to go back to the Northeast. Um, so from uh, just a personal standpoint, I, that's probably an important distinction to make. Is you know okay. the circumstances. I, I, yeah, I didn't I didn't hear that part of the podcast. So okay. Yeah. So check this out. So I heard uh, I watched the clip of the jump with Rachel Nichols, and she had. Okay. Robert Horry and Richard Jefferson on, and they've, yep, they've been I around. You saw that one, Lucas. So yep. yeah, they were they were basically saying they weren't knocking JJ for expressing himself, but just the the reality that these are NBA teams and their their franchises, their businesses, and they have the right to do what's best for them, and they can promise quote unquote deals and and things like that all day long, but. At the end of the day, you're an employee and you're at the mercy of your employer. So Reddick just needs to just bite the bullet and hope that he gets into a situation. And I think well, Corey, I forget who it just, was. Just because like companies have the right to treat their employees poorly doesn't mean that they should, you know. Obviously, but the, like, but the thing is, is well compensated. He lives a very comfortable life. I don't think anyone's like questioning his, his quality of life or anything. But if you're gonna you know, it's not like he's on Wall Street. If you're playing on the last year of your contract on a non-contending team and they say they're going to buy you out or they're going to trade you to New York, they should probably just follow through on that promise. And if nothing sh- else, it just makes them look bad and it's going to cast questions into, you know, future free agents who might want to come to New Orleans. They're going to look to JJ and say, hey, look, you kind of treated this guy poorly. Why would we want to play? Nah, Chris, come on, man. You know better than that. They look. They got Zion Williamson down there. If players well, are going to okay. want to play, so, they're, so, they're, they're, all right. Go ahead, Lucas. Go ahead. Okay, I, I am gonna. I am gonna come here because this. Uh, the, you, you're getting into the next part of the question here, Uriah, and all I right. want to before you before you get on that. And Chris, I'm. I. I think it's. I don't want to pull the generational card on you, man, but me. <laughs> For me, me and Uriah, Uriah especially because he's older than me. But for our, our, you know, you're 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 in the newer generation. Me and Uriah, we were in the older generation. I, like, and I'm not trying to bash you on this, but like, I thought you're gonna bash me. I'm sorry. I, I sorry, no, Chris. No, 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 I thought no, he was no, coming no, on me. I'm, right. I'm on your side on this, Uriah. I'm on your oh, side. Okay. Yeah, I got you on this one. I just like employee employers. They're gonna do what's in the best interest of, and if that of means, of course. And like, if that means screwing over an employee or going back on something that you agreed upon, it's not okay to do, but it's going to happen. And, yeah, no, I but, mean but, that but is to, like how it's going to happen, and especially in a business that, like the Lucas, NBA, this is not the first time that this has happened, and it's not going to be the last not. time. Yeah, so I'm Lucas. not saying this is like a one-off, rare occurrence, but mm-hmm. it, it's still kind of. Kind of crappy, you know. But yeah. no, so Lucas, all right, number one, you said earlier, Dirk Nowitzki, he won a championship for Dallas. All right, Kobe yeah. Bryant or any other player that's contributed to dynasties. J.J. Redick hasn't done anything for New Orleans. Let's just call it what it is. Plus, yeah, he's they, having an he, all he off year. He's just another player and that then, they gave money to. Right. Now, and, and, you know, if you're in management, you want to try and please your players and you want to tell them things that will make them feel comfortable. 
at the end of the day, it's the bottom line is, you know, mm-hmm. w- what are they going to do to make the team better? And moving Reddick for them on their terms is what they felt best for the team. But the one thing that was brought up by the either, I forget if it was Jefferson or Horry, they said, look, man, uh, talking about your kids, trying to be close to home. What, what's stopping you from moving your family to Dallas? You're, you're a millionaire, bro. Sell, sell that condo in Manhattan or Brooklyn well, and, I, I and mean, go somewhere. Go this, move, move yeah, closer to home. I, I will, I will say this. I mean, like going back to his time with Philly, there's that whole documentary series for, I forget who, where Reddick was talking about how he wanted to settle in Brooklyn and how he was kind of tired of moving houses with his family. His wife was kind of tired of moving around from city to city. I, I think it's pretty clear that he just wants to kind of settle down in one spot. At least then, Chris, he shouldn't have signed with New Orleans in the first place. Exactly. Just stay with the he Sixers. Should not have done it because if he was worried about moving, then he should not have done it. He should have either Bingo. resigned money or signed with the Knicks, the, who probably would have anvil right there. Again, the anvil. Or, or signed with the Nets, who were still building up a championship roster at that point. They still had cap space for Red. Like, I think the COVID aspect is we're overlooking here. Like, in a normal year, he's allowed to fly up from New Orleans on the weekends to visit his family. Or he's allowed to fly his kids down and they don't miss a week of school. That's gone this year, so that probably heightens his desire to be back home. So I I think that's a big reason why he was hoping to go back to New York or back to Philly or wherever in the new, you know, the Northeast. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, I think in a normal season, we wouldn't be hearing these comments because it wouldn't be as rough well but. then if it was a normal if he if he knows that this isn't a normal season then he shouldn't have the complaints that he has he's a professional chris if he knows that this is not a normal thing and it won't be a normal thing going on the only reason why i see this as being a bigger thing than what it is is that reddick's thinking he's closer to retirement than what we all think he is chris he might end up retiring at the end of the season if that's the case then yeah, this makes sense why he's complaining about this. But if he knows that this is not going to be the norm moving forward, well, then no, this should only be no, a temporary thing. Again, no, I don't think he's complaining about Dallas, or he's even complaining about getting traded. He's complaining about supposedly being lied to by the front office, which I think is where the main issue here lies. And again, like employers screwing over employees, that's nothing new. Happens in the NBA all the time. It, it's the way the business works. I understand that. I'm not saying that New Orleans has like, like, like JJ's not going to beat them in court or anything. So, uh, you know, there's. Well, there's I'll say this: the, the only compensation they got was Yuandu, who's a nice young player. James Johnson's on expiring contract, and they kind of needed more of a physical presence at the power forward position. And then they got a second round pick. So that's what JJ and Niccolo Melli will get you, apparently. But to go on the second part of this question now, Chris, regarding whether or not this will hurt the the um the second part of the first part of your question, the second part of this first question here is whether or not this will hurt them in free agency. I don't think it's gonna hurt them in terms of you know landing a big free agent or not. Because it's New Orleans. They don't get big name free agents. That's not an. They, they didn't get it with Anthony Davis. They didn't get it with Chris Paul. 
So a bad front office is not going to, a dishonest front office is not going to influence that. But I'll tell you, and and Uriah, you you listen to the jump, so you know where I'm going with this because I, uh, I heard Richard Jefferson talk about this, and along with Robert Ori, and I agree with them in the fact that I think this is going to hurt them in terms of Zion Williamson when he becomes a restricted free agent, or when he you know when he's up for his max contract extension. I think this is where it's going to hurt him, them, because I don't know if this is going to hurt his trust that, you know, with that front office. Well, I mean, Zion's not going to leave for another six, eight, seven years or whatever. Like, he he can't leave. They're going to match. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. I'm just saying, in the long run, this is where it might hurt them. Well, I, I, I think I would disagree. I mean, I, I think players definitely pay attention to front offices and how they act uh, if you're in new orleans you you know it's not los angeles it's not the lakers where you can have one of the worst run organizations ever and everyone still wants to play there because it's la you know if you're trading everyone on the face of the earth for first round picks and you're not honoring promises to players i think people are going to end up looking at that and you know starting to maybe question whether or not that's the management structure they want to work under but at the end of the day uh, this will probably blow over pretty quickly. I, that, I mean, honestly, that is, I don't think many people are going to care. I, I think you're right in that sense. So we're probably not going to be talking about this like when the season's over. Yeah, I just, like I said, I think it's going to hurt, like uh, like I heard on, well, on the jump, or it was either the jump or it was like, um, no, I'm pretty sure it was the jump that they said that. It was one of those ESPN shows, but I'm pretty sure it was the jump. Referring to Zion Williamson, is it? Oh, is either the jump or the one uh, the radio show hosted by Jay Will and uh, Bart Scott? But yeah, no, I think this could hurt them in the long run. But in the short term, no, it's not going to hurt them because nobody goes to New Orleans anyway. So yeah, that's where I I think on it. But you know, who knows what would happen? Lucas, let's say hypothetically that the Mavericks were to grant Riddick's wish and offer him a buyout. Do you think the Sixers would be wise to go after him? Of course, it would be wise for them to go after him. He's a veteran. He's a you can never have enough shooting, and they could easily clear a roster spot for him. Uh, they could wave Ignas Brzezeknicz. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, and they could use the full mid-level exception that they still have available for him. Or it, you know, if Reddick's looking for a little bit of money, Sixers could offer that. I mean, so could the Nets, but I you know history with the Sixers plus the Nets probably have more than enough I'm pretty sure the Sixers have a roster spot, don't they? Because they gave up three players. No, no, no. They they signed B-Ball Paul. They signed B-Ball Paul. Yeah. That's that's what it disappeared when uh, they signed him to a regular deal. But they could waive someone, couldn't they? Yeah, that's why I'm saying uh, Iggy. Lucas really doesn't like Iggy. I Lucas don't. Has given him no chance. Yeah, he doesn't even try to pronounce his name right. <laughs> yeah, okay, did you guys read my article today? Did you guys read my article today? He regressed in the G League. How do you regress in the G League? You don't. You're supposed to get better. Thon Maker, because that will leave us with more long-term upside. I mean, hey, you know what? Hey, you should not be stealing my 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 ideas for the next segment. Please don't don't bring up Thon Maker because that that's my idea first, darn it. Please don't bring up Thon Maker. <laughs> I, I am. It's happening. 
preview for those that are yeah that's happening so anyway um but yeah no you could easily wave iggy and then you could go for um you know you could go for reddick iggy you know he he has a team option for next year so you would have to swallow that money but that's a minimum contract worth of money that's that's that shouldn't be an issue for the sixers yeah I, I tend to agree. You know, if he's available and he wants to come to Philly on the minimum, you, you give it to him. There's really no Or fun. even the mid-level, which we have available. So Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, at this point, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I think he still has value for sure. I don't think he's I don't think he's over the hill. I don't think he has nothing left. I think he like Blake Griffin and I'm assuming uh, LaMarcus Aldridge will show if you're in a better situation, you'll play better. And I think that's what's going to happen with Redick if he gets to the Sixers or maybe the Nets or the Knicks. I don't think he's going to Boston, <laughs> but who knows? But yeah, now let's go ahead and uh, get to our last topic here, Chris. And we're going to talk about the Sixers backup center position because I think, I mean, I didn't underrate this, but you and Uriah did certainly at the trade deadline. Losing Tony Bradley, guys, was a bigger deal than you all thought, isn't it, isn't it now? Not really. I mean, they've lost two games that were pretty expected losses, and now they're going to get Embiid back, and we're never going to think about the third-string center again unless but, he gets but hurt. Come on. Come on. But come on. Wouldn't you rather have Tony Bradley starting versus versus Mike Scott? Yeah. So we had to deal with, like, two games of Mike Scott. I, I don't think that's the end of the world. Okay. Well, anyway, let's, let's, let's talk about Dwight because – it's either the Dwight Dream or the Dwight Mayor at this point. It's either feast or famine. Either he's playing great like he did against the Cavs, or he's getting technical fouls and getting thrown out of the game. So, Chris, what's going on with Dwight in your opinion? Um, well, he had 18 and 15 tonight, so there's there's not too much complaining to do right now. I mean, I think he's a perfectly fine backup. Um, he has his, his good games, his bad games, that's generally how it goes when you have 35 year old or whatever backup centers who are past their prime um if we want to talk about all his fouls and technicals like he has to be more disciplined in that respect those aren't maybe the mistakes he should be making at his age but on the whole the Dwight experience has been mostly positive for this team I don't think there's any overwhelming issues on that front um so yeah, I mean, really, I I don't have a ton of complaints personally. Like, I I think he's done a fine job given the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I think he just I think the trip back to L.A. was very emotional for him, and you know, I think maybe he had something personal against Montrez because if maybe he feels like the Sixers favored Montrez over him, and it was Dwight doing Dwight things there. I mean, he's always had foul troubles. That's why he plays limited minutes, and that's why he comes off the bench now even when Joel's out. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, as long – I hope that if the Sixers make it to the finals, that it's not against the Lakers because I feel like Dwight could end up costing them the series just because of his emotions. Um, but overall, I'm not worried about it. Uh, Chris, I, I think I already know what your answer is, but I'm going to ask yes. it anyway. <laughs> let, let the listeners at least let me ask the question first before you answer should Paul Reed get serious uh, consideration for quality playing time at either power forward and or center no yes <laughs> I don't think anybody anticipated that can you say that again Chris 
Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I shouldn't be laughing this much, but I am. Uh, yeah, no, I think we're all fair. To, I think it's. Um, I think most of the fandom is tired of the Mike Scott ex- experience. I think we want to see what B-Ball Paul can do in a in a, a larger role, even if it's only for another game or so. Because I believe uh, Joel's coming back on against the Timberwolves, which I feel is kind of early, but you know, if he feels it, he feels it. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he got what? He got he's got the blue coats to the G League finals. We're talking about the MVP here. The MVP no. and uh, rookie of the year. Oh my and god. Rookie of the year. Really? First team all G League. The Sixers one true MVP, Paul Reed. <laughs> you the real MVP, B ball Paul. <laughs> real MVP. I guess, gosh, what if Joel doesn't get the game? Guys, 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 what what if Joel doesn't get the MVP this season and B-Ball Paul just comes up to him and is just like, I'm the real MVP. Call me Allie. I like that. I like it. Allie. No, no, no. Did, you guys, did you guys see the, the report yeah. that first day of training camp, B-Ball Paul came in oh, yeah. and he was telling people to call him Allie and Dwight was telling the media about that? Like alley oop, because yep. all he oh, was going to do is catch lobs. Hilarious! It's hilarious. He's, hilarious. He's, he's an amazing, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know how much Chris loves loves people. Look, I mean, I, I just random aside. You know, there are the reports about like bad pre-draft interviews being the reason he dropped to the fifties. He seems like such a delightful person. Like, I don't know what questions these teams are asking, but he has been nothing but just a super positive, hardworking individual. Who's like smiling all the time? Like, what are these people? It's the same thing with Lamelo. Like all the personality questions. Lamelo seems like a great teammate. So, like, clearly maybe it's just this new generation of kids coming up that just yeah, don't seem to like fit like the old generation. How front offices are like operating in the, their evaluations on players' personalities? Because Paul Reed seems like an absolutely wonderful person. I, I guess uh, I'm going to start calling him Allie, though. That's right, B-Ball Paul. It's not B-Ball Paul anymore. I'm going to respect the name that you asked for on training camp. I'm going to call you Allie now. It's happening. Um, but to, to go on our last point here before we cra- wrap things up, you know, obviously we don't want Mike Scott to be the fill-in center in the playoffs if the Sixers, you know, get there. And it doesn't seem like... Doc Rivers is going to succumb to our request to have people Ali start in, in Joel's place. So let me ask you, Chris, is there a buyout plus big man on the market or a free agent that you can think of that would be that you would want the Sixers to sign as a as a third uh, third string center? We've mentioned him in passing in recent podcasts and we talked about it a bit off air, I think. Mike Muscala would be sort of an interesting candidate if OKC does buy him out. He obviously fits the mold that they would be looking for as a stretch big who can even maybe fill a few minutes at the four every now and then in the very, very unlikely scenario that the Lakers buy out Mark Gasol because he's being pushed out of the rotation. Then I'd be all over that if I was Philly. Uh, It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I know there were some rumblings and some reports and whatnot that it was possible but it doesn't seem possible. But if Gasol is, for whatever reason, you know, kicked out of L.A., then, of course, Philly should try to bring him in. I think he'd be a great fit here. Really, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable just saying give Paul Reed the spare minutes if they come up. 
I, that's been my response for several podcasts now, and I'm going to stick with it. So, well, I, I don't, I, I don't think I would have put Marcus All in there. I just don't see that happening personally. I'm surprised there were either, even reports about it. Um, and as uh, as we all know, Boogie Cousins is off the market. But I'm actually not looking at buyout candidates. If I'm looking at buyout candidates, I'm looking at the forward position with Otto Porter Jr. There aren't any big men that I like in the buyout market that aren't already re-signed with another team. Uh, so in that regard, I would actually look at the free agents. And one guy who's currently injured but is a really interesting name, I like the idea of bringing Dwayne Dedman back to the Sixers, guys. He was a process guy. He's turned into a solid rotational guy. He can stretch the floor, rebound well, defend pretty decently. He, he has the tools to be a solid you know, backup center. And I think his career has kind of taken a hit recently because of that major contract. He's signed, what, like two off seasons ago, made him much, paid him much more than what he was worth. But, uh, you know, he's a free agent right now. He's, you know, he's worth a minimum contract, you know, arguably a mid-level. The guy can play. I like Dwayne Dedman. Some other names out there that I wouldn't mind seeing. Thon Maker. Yes, it happened, Chris. Thon Maker. Yes. We don't know his age. We don't know his actual age, but he could be anywhere from like he's actually 21 to like got plenty of time left. Yeah, and then you got Scal Labissiere. He's a stretch big, not really good defender, but you know you don't really need that. You when you have been on the floor, you know just get somebody that can stretch the floor. And then another guy who's not a center per se, but he could play small ball center for the Sixers if they signed him. What? How do you guys feel about a reclamation project of Jabari Parker switching him to a center? I gotta go vomit. Hell no! (laughs) Guys, give Parker a chance. Am I the only one that likes Parker in the whole entire like realm? Yes, you're the only person on planet Earth who is still. That guy's that guy's knees are so bad. He's going. He's going to need a walker by the time he's forty. Jabari Parker Island is deserted completely it's just sand but is it as deserted but you know what it's not as deserted as Dion waiters island i i actually i honestly think it is more deserted than Dion waiters island but Dion waiters doesn't didn't have a job this year in the nba jabari parker did yeah because jabari was already under contract i'm just saying Dion waiters doesn't know if he's in philly or if he's in la or miami that dude yeah, there's at least like an entertainment factor with Dion that makes him kind of interesting to have on the team. That's yeah, but I wouldn't go. Before. I wouldn't take any food from him if you're flying. Just FYI, <laughs> that's yeah. all I'm gonna say about that. Look, I mean, if the Sixers are getting to the point where they have to play Thonmaker or Scalabca, then they're screwed. So, well, okay. What about Dwayne Dedman though? That's not a bad yeah, option. Dedman is an interesting enough name. I think he'd be. A, a perfectly reasonable third string center. I he really is injured, but once he gets healthy, I, I wouldn't yeah. mind it. I don't think anyone on the market right now is going to be of consequence in the playoffs if the Sixers are healthy. If they aren't healthy, if it if Joel misses time in the playoffs, it really won't matter. So I don't think it's a pressing issue per se. Yeah, I I mean Deadman is definitely the most appealing of the names that you mentioned. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I'll have to figure out what his timeline is to return. But if he's eligible to come back by the playoffs, because he hasn't played this year with anybody, so 
uh, he could get signed at the end of the season. That's not an issue. But yeah, no, I I like Deadman. I don't. I'm I'm kind of over the Mike Scott. I mean Mike Muscala experience too, Chris. I don't want to relive that. I'm I'm pretty happy with. Uh, I'd, I'd rather just keep Mike hey, Scott. Hey, look, he is the only reason Tyrese Maxey is on this team. He is. We owe him a lot. I have no problem with Mike Muscala. I think he's a nice stretch four. He'll shoot three. He's a stretch and... four. He's not a five. He can That's play the... five. He's probably even better off at five. Uh, can we? Maybe we could. Maybe I'd be willing to try it if we don't have to deal with his dad again because that was. I'm awful. not saying like sign Mike Muscala and play him twenty five minutes a night. I'm saying sign Mike Muscala and have him be the thirteenth man off the bench who plays if. Joel gets hurt again. We're not talking about guys who are going to be of consequence in the ideal playoff run for this team. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. Would you rather have Mike Muscala or Dwayne Dedman? Uh, I'm probably, probably Muscala because he, he's a more prolific shooter, I guess, if you can use that word with him. But also, he's been on an NBA team this year and Dedman hasn't. But mm. it, it's. A toss-up, I guess. Okay. Well, Chris, I think it's time for you to play us out. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Whether you are coming to us from iTunes or Spotify, wherever, leave us a review, a rating, five stars if you please. Um, let us know how many minutes Paul Reed should be playing. And that would help us out quite a bit. We have some very exciting content and guests coming up in the very near future. So we would encourage you to continue tuning in. Um, you can, of course, leave comments on our website as well, thesixersense.com, where we will post the article for this pod. Just engage with us. Let us know your thoughts. And we'll be back soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>